Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So... For a few years while I was serving on staff with First Baptist Wataga, we would take youth on mission trips with World Changers during the summer. Now, if you're unfamiliar with World Changers, it is a mission-minded organization that partners churches and more specifically it partners youth groups with uh, families that have construction needs, with houses that have construction needs. And so churches and youth groups, they come together in a similar way to camp. Uh, to where they uh, spend the night together, they eat meals together, and they have nightly worship services together. But then during the day, they break out into smaller groups and they're sent into these homes that that need some work done on them. And this is usually done in uh, lower income areas where these families can't afford uh, to, to pay for some of this construction help. So for the first year, we went to Little Rock, Arkansas, but then the following years, we took our youth group to, to work with uh, Houston uh, after the damage and the flooding uh, that, that caused this damage in these houses in the Houston area, area following Hurricane Harvey. And so this last year that we went, in, in 2019, I and another person from our group in Watauga, we were... We were partnered with a house that needed floors to be laid. And so all week long, we spent the week laying these floors in the house. And while we were laying these floors, we met this young man on our group named James. James was in his early 20s. And James was a firecracker of an individual. He had the most energetic and the most contagious personality. And so Nathan, the other person from Watauga and I, we kind of just instantly clicked with this this boy, James. Uh, It was one of those just kind of instant friendships, immediate friendships. Have you ever had one of those? You just kind of, you become friends with this person immediately. This was James. So James was from Arkansas, and he had a thick accent, right? And so after spending this entire week of laying floors with James, of of hanging out with James, spending time with James, believe it or not, I began to sound like James, (laughs) right? His his thick accent started to rub off on me. In fact, when I would call Sarah in the evening, she would say, why does your voice sound so weird? Stop it. (laughs) She was not having this newfound accent but the truth is, during this week, I kind of, I, I began to become more and more like James. Sarah corrected that as soon as I got home, <laughs> all right? But I began to become more like James. So we're in this series right now titled Rooted, and as we're going through this series, we're walking through the book of Colossians. Now, as we think about this life, the reality is, is that we are becoming more and more like something all the time. Now, on the smaller scale, it may, that, it may be that we're becoming like some of those individuals in our life, maybe some Jameses that we have in our own lives. But I believe that, that on the larger scale, every day, we either become, as humans, we either become more like this world or we become more like the Lord. 
We either become more like the world or we become more like the, the Lord. And so the question is, as believers, how do we avoid being shaped by the world so that we can be shaped by the Lord? How do we become more and more like the Lord so we become less and less like this world? And the answer is we are to root our lives in Jesus. We are to root our lives in Jesus. And this is important because where we root our lives will impact what will shape our lives. Where we root our lives will impact what, we, what will shape our lives. So the next time you're in Rockport, Texas, look at the trees. You will notice that the trees have interesting shapes. A lot of them are, are bent and curved and, and kind of just twisted. They don't just grow straight up and down. And the reason for this is because these trees are rooted in an area that has been hit by multiple hurricanes over the years. Where we root our lives will impact what will shape our lives. And so, so we need to root our lives in Jesus. So let me pause right here and just remind you of this overarching truth for our series. The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us, but God's word makes things clear for us, and God's word points us to Jesus. And so as we recognize that God's word points us to Jesus, and as our desire is to be shaped and molded, not by this world, but by the Lord, then we need to root our lives in him and in him alone. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 24, and we're going to go through Colossians 2, verse 3. Colossians 1, 24 through 2, 3. Now, as you're turning there, let me just set this up for you. The, the section that we're looking at today is focused on Paul's ministry. In fact, if you're reading out of the CSB like I am, then the, the heading for this section is labeled Paul's ministry. And so while we recognize that Paul had a call to ministry, I think it's also important to, to recognize and be reminded that as believers, we are all called to ministry. As believers, we are all called to ministry. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 reminds us that we are given a ministry of reconciliation. As believers, we receive this ministry of reconciliation. And what this means is that we are to share the gospel with all of mankind so that through the gospel, people be, will be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, that they will be given this right relationship with God through Jesus Christ and so as believers, we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. We are all called to ministry. Now, this doesn't mean that we are all called to vocational ministry. It doesn't mean that we're all called to be a full-time pastor or a full-time missionary on the mission field. But what it does mean is that we are all called to ministry. We have all been given this, this ministry of reconciliation to share the gospel with others. And so as we look at what Paul shares this morning about his ministry, understand as believers, this is to be taken and, and to be applied to each and every one of our lives as well. So the CSB, which I'm reading out of, it labels it as Paul's ministry, but I really like the way uh, the New King James Version, he the heading that the New King James Version gives. 
The New King James Version gives it sacrificial service for Christ. Talking about the exact same thing, Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry was a sacrificial service for Christ. But I really like this heading because it reminds us that serving Christ comes with sacrifice. Serving Christ comes with sacrifice. For, for Paul, what we're going to see and, and what we're going to talk about is that he endured great suffering for the sake of sharing the gospel. And, and, and that may be true in our lives at times as well. We may endure suffering for the sake of sharing the gospel. But at the very minimum, serving Christ comes with sacrifice for us because when we come to Christ... We are to sacrifice, we are to put away our old self, our old sinful practices that we might walk in obedience to the will of Christ. But understand, whatever we sacrifice, whatever it might be, what we gain in Christ is far greater than what we sacrifice. What we gain in Christ is far greater than what we sacrifice. So... C.T. Studd was a British missionary that lived from 1860 to uh, 1931, which can I just say, what a name, C.T. Studd. If I were to ever change my last name, it would be Studd, right? Pastor Studd, that just has a nice sound to it. But C.T. Studd, he was this British missionary. He spent... 15 years serving the Lord, sharing the gospel in China, six years sharing the gospel in India, and he spent the rest of his life sharing the gospel in the Congo in Africa. And, and in fact, uh, to this day, his name is still linked to the evangelization of the Congo Basin. So C.T. Studd's life was spent serving the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and certainly there were sacrifices. While C.T. Studd was born in England, he, he didn't put down his roots in England. When he became an adult, he didn't live close to his parents. He didn't have the, uh, the, the modern conveniences of the civilized world. And yet, yet what he knew was that that what he was gaining, what he was pursuing by sharing the gospel was far greater than what he was sacrificing, far greater than what he was giving up. In fact, I ran across a quote from Studd a, a few weeks ago. It's become one of my new favorite quotes. I posted it on Facebook if you're friends with me. Uh, but now this quote sits in our living room. It says, this is what Studd said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It's this reminder not to root our lives in the things of this world because the things of this world will not last. But when we serve Christ, when we share the gospel, what we sacrifice is it's no comparison to what we gain in Christ. What we gain in Christ is far greater than what we sacrifice because what we gain in Christ is eternal. With that in mind, let's read Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 2, 3. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. 
I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that they may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So as we begin looking at this passage this morning, I want to start by pointing out what Paul says in verse 25. He says, I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me, uh, given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And I want to highlight those words there, to make the word of God fully known. Now, when Paul refers to the word of God here, he's not referring to, to the Bible as we know it, right? Because uh, at this time, the New Testament didn't exist. Paul is actually writing a letter that is going to be included in the New Testament. So Paul's not talking about Scripture as a whole, but what he is referring to is the gospel message that he has been called to share. And, and really, I don't think that the Christian Standard Bible... Uh, that I'm using fully captures the meaning of this phrase, fully known. I think the New International Version and the New Living Translation actually offer better translations for this, this phrase. The NIV says, uh, the word of God in its fullness, and the, the New Living Translation translates it as his entire message. And so when Paul says, I've become a servant to make the word of God fully known what he is saying is that his purpose and his intention is to share the entire message of the gospel not just part of it but the full message now this is why this is important to us because we live in a world that is all about the word love now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that word love, right? That, that's actually the first part of our mission statement here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. To love, to love God and to love others. We want to love and we want to be loved. There's nothing wrong with that word love. But many times what we see in our culture is that when the world uses this word love, what they are saying is, don't correct me. Don't tell me that I'm wrong. If you love me, don't tell me I'm wrong. If you love me, don't correct me. And if you love me, certainly don't talk about this other word, sin. I don't want to hear it, right? If you love me, don't bring it up. And so the temptation for us as believers can be to only talk about God's love. To, to say something like, did you know God loves you? He loves you so much. Now that's true. That's an absolutely true statement. God does love you. God does love you so much. But while it is true that God loves you, and while it is true that God loves you so much, to stop there and to say nothing else is to only share 
part of the story. So I have a pastor friend that uh, shared a story in his sermon a couple of weeks ago as an illustration, much like I do on Sunday mornings. But the problem is, is that he forgot to tell the rest of the story. He shared only part of the story. In fact, he left out the most important part of the story. He left out the end of the story. So after I listened to his sermon, I called him up and I said, I've got to know the rest of the story. How did this end? And he said, well, it's funny that you call because half the church was upset with me today because I didn't finish this story. You see, we have to share the whole story. And so while telling someone that God loves them and that God loves them so much is absolutely true, it's only part of the story. And so if we neglect to tell people about the sin in their life and the redemption that can be found through Jesus Christ because of God's great love is to only share part of the story. And in fact, we are leaving out the most important part of the story, Christ's redeeming work on the cross. And so if we want to truly love people, then we have to tell them the full story. We have to tell them the full message. So let me pause right here and say this. To fail to share the full message of the gospel is the most unloving thing that we can do. To fail to share the full message of the gospel is the most unloving thing that we can do because when we fail to tell people about their sin and about the redeeming work of Jesus through the cross, what happens is we leave people in their sins without any hope. They know that God loves them, but what did God do for them because of his great love for them? And so if we want to truly love people, the way God calls us to love people as believers, if we want to truly love people, then we have to share the full message of the gospel that they might also experience this hope of redemption through Jesus Christ. So with that being said, I think it's important, because I don't know everyone in here today, I think it's important that you hear the full message of the gospel. So first... We have all sinned, every single one of us. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Every single one of us has sinned. And sin at its very core is simply disobedience to God. God is holy. God is perfect. God is righteous. And because we have this disobedience in our life, regardless of how big or how small we might think it is, our sin prevents us from being in that right relationship with a holy God. But beyond that, because God is just, there is a penalty for our sin. The Bible calls it a wage, what we have earned, what is owed to us. And that penalty is death. But God, in his great love for us, yes, he loves us, praise God, God, in his great love for us, sent Jesus into this world to die on the cross for your sins and for mine so that when we come to him, turning from our sins, believing that he died and rose again, confessing him as, as our Lord, we will be saved. That's the full message of the gospel. And so if you have never heard the full message of the gospel before today, then first let me say I'm sorry. 
But also, if this is the first time that you're hearing the full message of the gospel, then my desire is that you would allow the full message of the gospel to impact your heart this very day. But now as we continue to look at our passage, there are three things that I want us to walk away with because as Paul talks about his suffering, as he talks about the sacrifices that he makes as he's serving Christ for the sake of the gospel, there are three things that I believe that we see in this passage that we share in when we root our lives in Jesus. First, we share in an unexplainable joy. We share in an unexplainable joy. Let's look at verse 24 again. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is the church. We share in an unexplainable joy. Now there are a couple of things that I want to say about this, this verse. First, Christ's sacrifice on the cross was enough. Christ's sacrifice on the cross was enough. There is no additional work, no additional suffering, no additional sacrifice that needs to be made for your salvation or for mine. So when we see Paul use this phrase here, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, this is not an implication that Christ's sacrifice on the cross was not, not enough. In fact, that word afflictions that used bears absolutely no weight of the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. Rather, this is, this is just a reminder for us that, that just as Christ suffered on the cross, we might also suffer for the sake of the gospel. Just as Christ suffered, we might, as believers, be persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Paul was in prison, suffering, and being afflicted for the sake of the gospel as he's writing this letter. And, and so... So it's not that Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough, but the suffering of Christ actually continues in the life of the believer, in the life of the church as we are persecuted, as we suffer, as we are afflicted for the sake of sharing the gospel. So Christ's sacrifice on the cross was enough. But second, this unexplainable joy here is understood by the believer. This is a joy that, that you and I can understand. So when I say this is an unexplainable joy, it's not that a believer can't understand it, not that we can't explain it, and it's not that Paul couldn't explain it. But, but what I mean when I say that this is an unexplainable joy, I mean that for the world and for those that have never experienced the joy of Christ in the midst of a time of suffering, for them, it is an unexplainable joy. Now, as we think about having joy in the midst of suffering, it doesn't mean that the pain is any less real. It doesn't mean that the suffering is any less real or, or any less painful. But what it does mean is that in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this pain, we can walk in and experience the joy of of Christ. And I believe that that being able to experience this joy is rooted in knowing that God's plan is bigger than our pain. God's plan is bigger than our pain. While you may be walking through something that is painful today, hear that. God's plan is bigger than our pain. So when I preach, I often like to share stories that sometimes tell on myself. 
If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I shared that story of me searching for the eggs in the pep rally on the butcher paper, the eggs that were not there. And then last week, I shared the story of me getting my arm stuck in a boat, right? Now, when these things were happening, these things were not fun in my life, right? In fact, after that pep rally that day, it was the end of the day, and so I remember sitting outside in front of the school waiting for my mom to pick me up, and I remember just sitting there thinking, what just happened, right? I had made a fool in front of the entire school searching for eggs that, that were not there, and that isn't even what I was supposed to be doing anyways, right? I'm sitting there thinking, what just happened, But for the last 20 years or so, I have been able to use these stories for the sake of the gospel. These sometimes embarrassing, sometimes painful stories, I have been able to use these stories for the sake of sharing the gospel. And so I've been able to see people come to know Christ. I've been able to see people take that next step of baptism because... One, because of the gospel and the power of the gospel, but also because I've been willing to share these stories in my life. And so as we think about the painful things in our life, man, I wish I could go and sit down next to myself on that, on that bench waiting for my mom and just say, one day you're going to be able to share this story for the sake of the gospel. It's going to be worth it, right? And when we're going through hard times, man, it's hard to see that. And so let me just give you this reminder right now. God's plan is bigger than our pain so that when you do find yourself in the midst of suffering, when you do find yourself in the midst of a painful moment, you can recall this, man, God's got a plan that's bigger than this right now. God's plan is bigger than our pain. And so if you find difficulty in in finding joy, if you find it difficult to find joy in the midst of suffering, let me just encourage you, Take your eyes off of of your suffering and fix your eyes on Jesus. Take your eyes off of your suffering and fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the gospel and recognize that God, God has a plan that's bigger than our pain. And as you fix your eyes on Jesus, begin to allow this unexplainable joy to invade your life. So we share in an unexplainable joy. Second, we share in a glorious mystery. Let's look at verses 26 through 27 again. It says, The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We share in a glorious mystery. So how many of you remember that cartoon, Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you, right? One of my favorite cartoons by far when I was a kid. I I watched that in this house right next door when I was a kid, Scooby-Doo. So in Scooby-Doo, right, you have the gang driving around in their mystery machine van trying to solve these mysteries, which, by the way, if you're in the market, there is a man in Burlington, North Carolina, uh, selling a... Ford Econoline van turned replica of the mystery machine, and you can get that for only $10,000. But the Scooby-Doo gang, they would drive drive around in this van trying to solve these mysteries, and you get to the end of the episode, and they pull the mask off of the bad guy, and they uncover the mystery. 
But Paul says here that the mystery that we share in isn't something that needs to be uncovered. In fact, it's something that has already been revealed to the saints. It is the mystery that for the believer, Christ is in us. Christ is in us. But it's not just the mystery that Christ is in us, but that his desire is to to dwell both in the Jews and the Gentiles alike. In, in other words, it's the mystery that salvation is for all people. Now, this was particularly important for the Jews of that time because the Jews understood that they were the only ones that could be saved. They failed to understand that through the cross, through Christ's death, salvation was made available to all people, regardless of race, regardless of background. And, and when anyone comes to know Christ, when anyone turns from their sins, coming to Jesus, asking him to be their Lord, they receive this exact same promise, Christ in them. So let me pause right here and ask, is Christ in you? Has there been a time that you have turned from your sins, allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life, that you might experience the God of the universe invading you. Is Christ in you? And let me just tell you that this, this mystery of Christ in you is far greater than a $10,000 mystery machine, right? The, the value of this mystery of Christ in our lives is priceless. And yet it's something that is available to all people when we turn to Christ. So we share in an unexplainable joy. We share in a glorious mystery. Finally this morning, we share in his invaluable wisdom. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 3 again. It says, In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We share in his invaluable wisdom. Now, the English translation of this verse really doesn't do this justice. It doesn't do what Paul is saying here justice because Paul is doing a sort of wordplay here that's aimed at the Gnostics of his day. Because for the Gnostic, they, they believed that salvation was found in knowledge, right? They wanted to, to deal with mankind's ignorance. And so there was this idea that by gaining knowledge, we could somehow achieve salvation. And so they would store all of their all of their knowledge in books that they called apocryphos. Apocryphos, which is a Greek word that it means hidden, but it also means to store up or to, to lay up. And so when Paul uses this word hidden here, he uses this word apoc apocryphos. And so he's kind of aiming this at the Gnostics or at this Gnostic belief. So kind of what he's saying is, is the Gnostics believe that salvation is gained through knowledge. But the knowledge that we need isn't stored up in books. The knowledge that we need is fully stored up in Jesus Christ. So let me pause right here and say this. In order to be saved, you don't need to know any more than Jesus. You don't need to know any more than Jesus Christ crucified and risen because Jesus is enough. 
If you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and if you know that he rose again victoriously, then you know enough to give your life to Christ, to allow him to be your Lord, to be saved. Jesus is enough. Now, there's a lot that I've learned over the years, both in and out of school, and I'm sure that many of you can say the same thing. But the most precious, the most valuable thing that I have learned in my life, I learned at the age of five years old when my mom shared the full message of the gospel with me. When I learned that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he rose again and that in him I could have eternal life. Parents, if you teach your children nothing else, teach them about Jesus. Teach your children about Jesus Jesus is the most valuable thing that we can know. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm reminded of the words of a song written by Graham Kendrick. It says, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord, knowing you. There is no greater wisdom than the wisdom that we can gain in knowing Jesus. And so the question that we have as we close today is, do you know Jesus? Have you turned from your sins, allowing Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? Do you know Jesus? And if you don't, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond right now. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond this morning. And if you would say, that's me, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never turned from my sins. But today I have heard the full message of the gospel, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose again. He did that for me out of God's great love. And today I'm ready to turn from my sins. I'm ready to turn to him, allowing him to be my Lord. If that's you, then as we sing, I'm going to be standing right down front. Would you join me down here? Would you come and talk with me? Would you come and pray with me this morning that you might receive this treasure of knowing Jesus. Would you come this morning? Now maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism like Ruthie did this morning. And maybe you're in the same place that Ruthie was. Maybe you were sprinkled in a Lutheran church or in a Catholic church. You were sprinkled somewhere as a baby, but you have since given your life to Christ as an adult. And you're ready to take that step of public profession of faith through baptism. If that's you, I would invite you to respond as well. Let's talk. Let's pray. Let's make that commitment together today. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've already been baptized by immersion. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale. I know that God is calling me to make this my church home. You want to come and connect your life with the mission and purpose here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. If that's you, if God's calling you to be a member of this church body, I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, though, I would just encourage you to respond to his spirit obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me. 
and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you and have a great week.